G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We're turning our attention today to one of the most familiar passages from the Bible where Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. What we know as the Lord's Prayer is one of the earliest things we'll often learn as children or as new Christians. We often recite it from memory in church on Sunday or Even our federal parliament opens each day reciting the Lord's Prayer. But have we allowed it to become more like a ritual, missing the real treasures of the Lord's Prayer? Our special guest today takes us deeper, saying it becomes a guide to a more meaningful daily life and even a frame for our most important conversations with others. Douglas K. Fletcher's new book is called The Only Prayer You'll Ever Need, Unleashing Your Best Life. Douglas has a PhD from Princeton Theological Seminary in the United States. He's served Presbyterian churches across the southern United States. He's a trained life coach and passionate about neighborhood outreach connection. Douglas, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's great to uh, connect. Douglas, uh, early evening where you are at home in the United States, I wonder if we might talk about, as we get a conversation underway about the Lord's Prayer, the fact that different denominations, different Christian uh, ways that we uh, express ourselves have some different preferred versions of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, You've introduced uh, some of those differences in your book. Tell us about those. Uh, well, uh, people sometimes feel awkward when they go to a, a, a worship tradition that's not their own, especially when it comes to something like the Lord's Prayer, because there are some small variations which people probably wouldn't notice if they weren't uh, reciting something and find out that they're still going and everybody else has stopped. Um, or that they've used different words or a different phrase. All of these things are a part of sort of the history of the English translations of the Lord's Prayer. And um, one of the earliest uh, translations into English was actually a translation from a Latin text that was quite good. And um, it's uh, very much the prayer that we in in, um, uh, in 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 many contexts, the the version that uh, came later, which was around the time of the King James version, was actually written from Greek texts, and that should have made it better. But in fact, the Greek texts were inferior to the uh, Latin translation that had been passed down. And so the whole translation process took a little bit of a step backward. And so you ended up with different churches gravitating in different directions. Um, The Scottish Presbyterian Church uh, used debts. The Anglican Church used, and Methodist Church used trespasses. 
Um, and uh, some modern churches use the word sins or, uh, you know, forgive us our sins. So there are differences. And then, of course, I think many people recognize that the, the Roman Catholic Church tradition ends the prayer with deliver us from evil, period. Yes, and well, most Protestants add one more line, uh, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Well, while there might be different versions that are used in different denominations, uh, it might be useful for us to come back to the Bible too, because uh, the Lord's Prayer is in the Gospel of Mark and in the Gospel of Matthew. Is it the only two Gospels? And, and even there's some differences there in the way that Mark and Matthew uh, deliver the Lord's Prayer. Right. And Matthew is... Uh Matthew is a more is a part of the the Sermon on the Mount, and it's a more elegant version. It um, has seven petitions in it. In, in the Gospel of Luke, I think that's the one you were meaning. Uh, the other one Sorry. is yeah. uh, there are just five petitions in in that prayer, and so there's a little difference. The interesting thing is is that even though these can be awkward in terms of maybe a social experience or annoying. Uh, to to someone, uh, the the differences are really quite slight, and and really unimportant. Uh, even the Roman Catholic Church in the 1960s in Vatican II made some changes that brought uh, its its uh, version of using the prayer much closer to the way in which Protestants use it. Okay, so when there are differences, and you pointed out some, uh, where some of the prayers will say debts, some say sins, some say trespasses, in some sense there, there may be a fuller meaning to what is being delivered in the Scripture when we use those different words, and perhaps while we might just use one of those, all three actually give us a more complete understanding. Is that the way you could look at it? I think that's a, a, a very good statement. Um, the, the very best that we know from the Greek is that the translation should be debts in the prayer itself in Matthew. But when you look at that chapter, uh, chapter 6 in the Gospel of Matthew, you find that it uses the word trespasses uh, immediately after the prayer in an, in an interchangeable way. And in Luke, it uses the words, um, uh, uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive the trespass or the debts of others. So Luke makes a little distinction that only God can forgive sins, but we can forgive debts uh, of, of one another. So there's, you're exactly right. I think they can provide some richness the different language, you know, a, a, a trespass is something you may, you may be able to avoid trespassing on someone else's property, but debts are things that, that are, are, that's a bigger concept and you have a debt to your parents and to teachers and coaches. And so debts is not something you can actually get away with uh, or away from. We all have debts. And so that's, helpful. The word sin, that's more religious language. So um, I think they can complement one another in terms of helping remind us not to think too narrowly. 
wonderful to be able to unpack some of those differences at the beginning of a conversation about the Lord's Prayer, uh, debts or sins or trespasses. But let's come back to the overall and the way we might think of the Lord's Prayer today, Douglas, because there is a certain sense, and you draw attention to this, that familiarity with the Lord's Prayer sometimes leads us to miss some of the extraordinary treasures that are hidden in this prayer. Because it's something we learned perhaps back to our childhood, uh, we become so familiar with it and it becomes almost like a ritual when someone leads us in it. What are your thoughts about familiarity? I, I, I think this is one of the reasons I was glad to work on this project on this book, because I think it's a treasure that is hidden right in front of us that we overlook because uh, some of the language is difficult. That's one of the reasons, but also because it's just so familiar. It, it sometimes functions a little bit like a cleanup batter and, uh, or a rabbit's foot or a talisman. And that's, that's not how it ought to be used. It's actually a teaching prayer. The disciples only asked Jesus to teach them one thing. And I think that's kind of interesting. You know, they could have said, teach us how to debate with uh, people who uh, are against you, with Pharisees. Teach us how to do miracles. Teach us. They could have asked for teaching on any number of things. The one thing they asked to be taught was how to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. He didn't say, pray these words. He said, pray like this. So the exact words, it's not about a religious ritual whereby you might repeat a memorized version of the Lord's Prayer, but there is something here for all of us to dig a little bit deeper and to recognize what it is to pray like Jesus has prayed there. And give us some insight here, because some people love the thought that there is a rigid memory, ritualistic way that you might do something, because that sounds very religious. But as you say, it's like a teaching prayer. Take us a little deeper into how we get around uh, this uh, this rigidity, and then just uh, start to explore the treasures here, Douglas. All right, it's it's um, the, the the rigidity is something that I think uh, locks away some of the treasure that is in the prayer. And when Jesus uh, taught the disciples to pray, it's really a very curious thing. There are lots and lots of prayers in the Bible. They could have gone to any number of prayers and and also uh, said some of their own. But they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And so I think it puts us on a path of wanting to understand better just what this prayer contains and how it goes beyond uh, just a a, a simple recitation. So, for example, the first first petition is, uh, hallowed be thy name. Now, you know, that's already, for a lot of people, that's already a problem because uh, we don't use the word, at least in the United States, we don't use the word hallowed so very much. Um, and hallowed be thy name, it sounds quite formal. 
It's not even addressing God directly. It's speaking about his name. And so um, the language can seem to be very formal and very distant. And yet, when, when you look at the phrase and the teaching and the prayer, it's also a prayer for something broader. It's a prayer for uh, a perspective on life that always remembers the sacred, that remembers that there is holiness, that there's not just the stuff that we can see or the list of things to do that we set in front of us, but there is the sacred in our midst as Jesus uh, walked uh, in the midst of people. And that sacredness is not just one dimension of life, but ultimately the prayer focuses us on the holiness or the sacredness of God. And for us to live with a larger perspective than um, simply to see uh, life on our own terms. I think we all have problems with too small a perspective. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Wonderful to have you with us. Talk back line open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking about the Lord's Prayer. And our special guest is Douglas K. Fletcher. Douglas has just released his new book. It's called The Only Prayer You'll Ever Need, Unleashing Your Best Life. And what I realized at the start of our conversation, uh, perhaps I'd assume that everybody will know what we're talking about when we discuss the Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to read to you the traditional Protestant version of the Lord's Prayer. We discussed the fact that there are some differences, uh, different denominations, but very, very minor differences in the wording. But let me read this prayer in case you're wondering what we're talking about. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The traditional Protestant version. Douglas, as we talk about the Lord's Prayer, many people think that when you pray, it's because you have a personal need or a personal want or there is an emergency. There is a crisis that we're facing. But... uh, That doesn't sound like a crisis prayer. How do you discuss uh, the Lord's Prayer in this teaching sense that you mentioned? Um, You know, uh, I think that crisis prayers are are fine in a crisis. (laughs) (laughs) And we can find in the Bible uh, crisis prayers. There's there's actually a wonderful rabbinic story uh, of Moses at the edge of the Red Sea. And he prayed to God as the uh, Egyptian army was bearing down on him and the, and, and the people, and he prayed to God, and God was angry at him. And the rabbi said, how could God be angry at a prayer? And uh, that's, that, just doesn't, that just doesn't seem right. So one rabbi said, well, there's a time for long prayers and there's a time for short prayers, and Moses was stalling. He was told to walk out into the water, and he was stalling. 
And I think that, you know, when we look at the Bible, Jesus said at one point in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, but thine be done. That's a crisis prayer. That's an emergency prayer that he prayed. But the Lord's Prayer is, the, the, the Lord's Prayer gives us a form and a frame for really a life of prayer, but also for a daily prayer. I know that your, uh, that your station has a frame of, uh, of, of daily uh, and daily prayer, and that's exactly what the Lord's Prayer is. So when you look at the Lord's Prayer, it has seven petitions, seven, seven things that we ask God for, and the first three... Uh, I, I like to think of as prayers of alignment. In other words, before we ask for what we want, which is what we're often inclined to do, we want to start with our wish list, but we start instead with, I need to be in the right place. I need to see things more clearly. I need to have the right kind of hopes in front of me. I need to have the right kind of trust in my life. And so we start with prayers for alignment. One of the interesting things is in Eastern religions, sometimes um, they, they are often about prayers of alignment. Sometimes that's all they do is prayers. Lord, help me to accept um, the things that are taking place and uh, simply to live uh, with that. The, the Lord's Prayer starts with a prayer of alignment. Sometimes we need to move from the place where we are and see things differently. And then there's a prayer uh, after those first three prayers of alignment. There's a prayer for our life, an invitation to pray for what's going on in our life. Because because this isn't just about um, uh, theological doctrines, but right in the middle of the prayer... Uh, we have this invitation to pray about what's going on in our life, and it is because God cares about us, body and soul. Douglas, and we'll, keep, so, we'll continue to build on this. Let's take a call, though, and uh, we'll take a questions or comments, great. your own reflection. Let's hear from Sterling in Ararat in Victoria. Hi, Sterling. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. Great to speak to you. Look, my question is, um, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, the line Jesus said, lead us not into temptation. Now, we know the Lord doesn't tempt, he tests. What are your thoughts in relation to the, the language used there? Uh, Douglas, your that, thoughts for Sterling? That is a great question, Sterling. I, you know, um, you may be aware the Pope tried to get the language of that petition changed. Uh, in the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, the Pope recently tried tried to do that. I don't think, think he'll succeed. Uh, it's got too much uh, history and tradition behind it. But he was concerned about the very thing that you're reflecting, which is um, it, can, it can sound like God is going to try to take us down, and we're asking God to hold back. Um, it, the prayer can't mean that. And it can't mean that because um, when, when we look at um, the, the prayer for trust, which is, uh, thy will be done, that's a prayer that's trusting in the goodness of God. And 
And um, if, if we believe that somehow we have to say a prayer asking God to hold back against a proclivity to hurt us, well, that just doesn't make sense. So I think of that petition in, in a different way. And here's, here's how I think about it. I think about it when we pray, lead us not into temptation. And you're absolutely right. Life is a test. But lead us not into temptation actually is a statement a prayer that we make in which we're saying, uh, uh, God, uh, don't bring it on. Don't bring it all on because I know that I can be broken. Um, uh, you know, it, when I was a new father, I realized that I could get a phone call that my child had been hurt or killed and I could be broken and that prayer is actually a prayer of humility. It's an acknowledgement of our own limits. And um, it's also a recognition that we, shouldn't, we don't want to spend all of our time just being tested. We actually want to accomplish some things in the course of our life. So it, it is a prayer of humility that, and, uh, and of self-awareness that acknowledges um, our limits and that actually also opens our life to create space for God. Sterling, does that answer your query? It does. I, 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 it's, it's always sort of made me wonder, and I've, I've sort of taken it as perhaps it probably might be better worded as lead us when we are faced with temptation. Yep. Well, Sterling, That's sort of how I look at it anyway. Sterling, thank you so much for your call. Let me say to listeners, Talkback Line will remain open after Vision National News, We're not far out from news, but we'll take calls. You might have your own question, you might have a comment, you might have a reflection about the Lord's Prayer. Sterling from Ararat, thank you so much for your call. Just uh, remaining on this, just because we're in the lead up to the news, when we talk about temptation, we all, and this is one of those things that will be common to all humanity, have a proclivity to giving in to temptation. So this self-reflection, this, uh, you know, putting yourself uh, into uh, this, you know, under the light of God in his wonderful uh, headship. Uh, this is an important element too here, isn't it, Douglas? That we're all yeah. uh, we're all likely to to fall into temptation if we're not aware of it. Absolutely, it's a part of it's a part of our self awareness, and uh, it is a it is a dimension of humility. But it also opens us up to understanding some of the gifts that we have as well. Douglas, let's talk about your prayer because in some sense here we talked about different versions and things like that and people might be thinking, where does this man's thinking come from? But you've had a very sort of eclectic upbringing of different denominations. Uh, you were raised going to all sorts of different churches and things. Give us a, an insight here into what's shaped your spirituality and therefore your thoughts about the Lord's Prayer. When, uh, when, when I was a boy, uh, my, my mother had a, um, an experience of the Lord's presence that profoundly shaped the rest of her life. And uh, it was the healing of a little baby, and she felt responsible for the child being sick. Uh, 
because we were caring for a neighbor's child and and uh, I got sick and then the baby got sick and ended up in the hospital. And my mother prayed and prayed like her life depended on it. And maybe it did. And the baby was healed and she felt uh, that that God wasn't simply some benevolent presence in the sky, but was someone who attended to us and cared for us. And that experience shaped our, our family's whole life. Um, she, she also suffered from mental illness, and she was also um, a really self-educated and a, and, a, and a very bright person. But the healthiest part of her was her faith. And we, um, it, shaped, it shaped our family's life. Um, I'm one of four children, and my two sisters both went into the ministry. Uh, I went into the ministry, and all three of us also married pastors. Um, my, my brother is an attorney, and he was, uh, he's older, and he left home before this whole experience started. But it was, it was a spiritual hunger and quest that shaped our life and made us believe that God um, cared about us uh, deeply and cared about every person in a deep way. And so we, um, we, we shifted. We've tried this church and that church and this denomination and that denomination, and it was sort of a, it was sort of a, a, a hunt for where the, uh, the the spirit felt most present, so that was uh, that was a part of my my childhood. And that shaping that comes uh, when you have a mother who is recognizing this call to serve and uh, deliberately, intentionally reaching out to those who are poor, uh, those who are less well-off, perhaps sometimes who are vulnerable, and uh, I loved your expression of the way that she was praying for that child. But there's something here, and I'll get your thoughts on the Lord's Prayer, because the Lord's Prayer isn't all about us and our personal needs, our personal wants. Uh, You've expressed this, and I think you're aligning what your mother and her heart was about it's the we, it's the working with those others, it's reaching out to the poor, it's not all about me. How do you see the Lord's Prayer as uh, connecting us to God and his wider creation? Well, you know, Neil, if if God is the creator of all, of everything, then it can't just simply collapse to uh, a single person's relationship with God. It always has to have in mind that, that, that God cares about this whole thing and cares about other people and that we, we live in relationship to others. And so we pray in the Lord's Prayer. It's all in the plural. Um, uh, give us this day our daily bread, not give me uh, what I need, but give us. And so we think about other people and other people's needs, even at the moment that we're praying for ourselves. And the prayer pushes us to that bigger frame because God is the creator of everything. It all belongs to God. And for us to uh, think that God only made us and a few others, 
Well, that, 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 really, that really diminishes God, doesn't it? And Douglas, you draw attention to Jesus' opening words, our Father, and point to the sense of family that that creates. So there's a humanity and a family that, you know, we could all just be isolated and doing our own thing autonomously. But that's not the essence of Jesus teaching the disciples to pray where he says, our Father. Right, our Father, um, exactly. And so we have this picture of God in the very opening words of a God who, um, uh, who is an intimate part of your family, and we have to imagine in that, in that title the perfect Father, better than any earthly father could ever be, but the perfect Father. And our Father, but then after that language of intimacy, who art in heaven. Now that's unlike any Father that uh, any of us have ever known. So you have this picture of God, of both this intimacy and this extraordinary power. And that actually sets up the prayer because it answers the question, um, does God care about me and does God have the power to do anything about it? And the answer is yes and yes. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's pick up on the next part of the Lord's Prayer for a moment here. Your kingdom come, your will be done. There's an encouragement that you point to in your book, Douglas, that says this is a moment when you're in this prayer as you're reflecting on it that you can evaluate your own personal hopes and dreams. You can even ask, are my own personal hopes and dreams big enough because of what I'm praying to God? What are your thoughts on your kingdom come? Well, your kingdom come is a beautiful picture. We have this hope, this particular hope, this hope that is a part of the entire biblical story rooted in the prophet's Uh, and expressed in the teachings of Jesus, we have this hope that is set before us of what shall surely be. And so we have this picture of the future that is filled with promise. And it means uh, that actually we can, um, that we want to live in alignment with that future. And we want to live in anticipation and we want to do what we can to work toward that future because that's that's the promise and the character of God. Just quickly, and I wish we had a whole lot more time to go to a lot of detail, but uh, early on I interrupted you after you'd talked about uh, those first three out of seven elements of the prayer, uh, the three that were all about the alignment to God and his kingdom and his purposes. And then uh, then we, we began to get into uh, some other areas which were an invitation to pray for what is going on in your life. So while we've got this sort of big picture, we, not I, there is provision in the Lord's Prayer for what's happening in my life. He is interested in what's happening in us. Right. Absolutely. Well, the first three, think about, if if we think about the prayers, the first three in terms of perspective, uh, 
I pray for I pray for us a better perspective. I pray for a a greater hope. I pray for more trust. Those are all prayers of alignment. The places I need to move to to become a better person. And then there's that prayer. The fourth one is for our life here and now, for just the stuff that we're dealing with. Sometimes the alignments that we pray for first can help us to see the things that we're dealing with a little differently. And then the last three I like to call assignments. Now, people don't like the idea of God giving us an assignment, but I think with each of these alignments and with each of the assignments, there are gifts that come with living into them and that we were made for them. So one of the assignments is um, uh, forgiveness and generosity. And we can have an extraordinary impact on others in living through and sharing that. If you think about the prayer, forgive us as we forgive. In other words, the grace of God is intended to make us more gracious people. And there's the assignment, right, to reflect that uh, forgiveness. And then the next one is self-awareness. Socrates said, uh, know thyself, and we understand that that's an important part. And the gift that comes with that assignment is wisdom and an appreciation of other people and the gifts that they have. And then the last assignment, well, I love, I love the seventh petition especially. Um, The seventh petition is deliver us from evil. And the Roman Catholic Church ends the prayer there because that's where the, the, the words of Jesus end. But the early church felt the prayer wasn't finished because Jesus had taught it before he died. And they felt that the cross and the resurrection represented a deliverance. And so that the deliverance wasn't simply being anticipated It didn't simply belong into the future, but that we had already experienced a great measure of God's love and power in the cross and resurrection. And so they added these words of thanksgiving. And the last petition uh, becomes a petition of gratitude, of thanking God uh, for, for his gift in Jesus Christ, thanking God for our life, thanking God for the, for the privileges and opportunities that are set before us. Genera- gratitude, gratitude is the most positive and enduring motivator in life. And the prayer ends with gratitude. It's powerful and it's profound just how significant the words of Jesus were as he taught his disciples to pray. You say, Douglas, that this is such a powerful and uh, profound prayer that it actually has a unifying effect, even across cultural differences. So one of the things that might be a unifier when we meet others who've come from a different background, a different setting, uh, the Lord's Prayer prepares us to be able to engage. How significant is this unifying aspect of the Lord's Prayer? Well, 
Neil, I think that uh, at least in the United States, don't know how Australia uh, operates, but some some people have have said that the 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 breakdown of religious influence in the culture has led to um, more focus on political differences. I think that would be true in Australia as well. Is that right? Yeah. And and so we end up um, we we end up hanging around with our own and the 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 prayers of Jesus the topics of the prayers think about it this way if these are the conversations that God wants to have with you and me then these must also be the most important conversations we can have and so you and I can have a conversation on not on whether you're of this party or that party or uh or something else but we can have a conversation about perspective, about what has shaped your perspective, what shaped my perspective, about people who have been an influence, about ways in which your perspective has changed over time, about about um, who who are people who have helped to shape aspirations for a particular sort of perspective. And so these are conversations, each one of them, we can go down each one of them, but these are conversations that we can have that actually can break down divisions and uh, help us learn how to talk with one another. And I think they also, honestly, they also create a way for us um, to introduce Jesus because these topics, these conversations about perspective and and hope and trust, where do they come from? They come from this prayer. They come from him. And so it becomes not, not abusive, but it becomes natural just to share that, um, that, that this, is, this is a part of what has helped to shape life and faith. A strength for a common humanity, alleviating those polarizing differences that can degenerate into just uh, recognizing political differences. And uh, as you say, Douglas, about perspective. But if we are the sort of people who'll just recite the prayer uh, in a ritualistic way, uh, in a, mecha- a mechanical sort of a way, that's not going to be as effective. So in the application we might have to our own personal lives, uh, you do spend a little time in your book uh, recognising that in the praying of the Lord's Prayer, uh, if you're not mechanical about it and ritualistic about it, you actually create some time for listening to what God might be saying in there. How important is listening when you're praying the Lord's Prayer? I think uh, I, I think of prayer as a conversation, and so we um, we we're given a frame uh, for the prayer. I think by Jesus as a part of the teaching, but I don't think we're forced to just believe that somehow getting the words exactly in a certain way that that makes the prayer automatically effective. I think uh, it creates a... Uh, Jesus has given us a frame for our part of the conversation, but the other part, 
The other part is for us to listen and to expect that God actually has already been speaking into your life. And it's not something that you're simply waiting for into the future. It's actually something that's already taking place. And so uh, because this is a conversation, this is about uh, speaking, but it's also about listening. Douglas, some will be thinking this is the prayer that my church prays every week. Uh, We do it in a ritualistic way. How might I adjust my own thoughts about it? Others are saying, well, you know, I, I have a prayer time, but I rarely recite the Lord's Prayer. What are your thoughts if you're turning over a new leaf, how the Lord's Prayer might enhance your personal prayer life and enhance your relationships with others around you? Well, I think we can slow it way down <laughs> and create some spaces between the words uh, in terms of our reflecting on it and recognize, actually, that it's a great advantage to have it already memorized. You already have the form and the structure of it already in your mind. And so to be able to realize that this already is there but that um, it isn't a performance. It's actually a structure for conversations with God. What wonderful insight. Let me point listeners to get a hold of your new book. And I might say it's so beautifully structured. Uh, Some of the things we've talked about, uh, even as though I've been building the conversation, uh, there's a few things there that are a little bit out of alignment. But for listeners who might be looking for a great book about the Lord's Prayer, get a hold of this one by Douglas K. Fletcher. It's called The Only Prayer You'll Ever Need, Unleashing Your Best Life. Now, you can get that uh, simply uh, Google it and you'll find online sellers. But you might want to connect with Douglas personally. And you can get a hold of his book at his website, douglaskfletcher.com. It's douglaskfletcher.com. Douglas, just wonderful. Thank you so much for taking some time to, and it's uh, early evening where you are at your home in the United States, but uh, for talking to our Aussie listeners today, I want to thank you so much for taking that time and sharing your heart with us on 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. It's been wonderful to be with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.